Vav Mar Cheshvan Tafshin Ayin Vav. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. and portrays, if you will, our feelings right now. No matter what happens, no matter what they say about us in the UN, it's actually in the words of the song, we continue to sing because we continue to have hope, we continue to pray, which is a form of singing as well. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachman Siegel Network. We are here each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern Time, 4 PM Israel Time. And... Um, we have two topics today. Hopefully we'll get to both of them. They are in-depth analyses of the current situation and the history behind it. We will be posting lots and lots of things. In addition to the music that we play, we will be posting links to many, many uh, very helpful sites uh, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. So, you uh, will want, let's say, an hour or so after the show to get on there, including there be be a uh, link to a free book, both in English and in Hebrew, which is very relevant. And very, it's an easy read and very relevant to um, the current situation. We'll tell you all about it. The um, first thing that we have uh, put on the agenda for today, CNN. I don't know. I don't think they've ever been major fans 
of um, of the Jewish state. Uh, CNN reflects, I believe, the general mainstream media and how they um, see the conflict in the Middle East. So they posted, Ben Wiedemann, who, oh, oh my gosh, we know him, not a big friend either. Ben Wiedemann posted on uh, CNN this Thursday, CNN.com, Thursday, October 15th, and we'll put a link to that as well. What you need to know, Israeli-Palestinian violence, what you need to know, it's a question and answer form. And um, we've decided to pick it apart and try and show you sentence by sentence, what is wrong with this post, this CNN guide, if you will. And often, and that's the insidious part of the bias, things are are hidden. They're slants that if you don't realize it, you don't, if you're not aware of it, I should say, you don't realize it. Let's look at the title. Even in the title, Israeli-Palestinian violence. That is creating a moral equivalence. There's two sides, and there's violence between them. Are both sides equally guilty? It would seem so from the headline. Why not Palestinian violence? Palestinian violence against Israelis, or even better, Palestinian violence against Jews, because that's the real target. That's what they're telling their people, kill Jews. No, 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 the media won't tell you that, because they, in their deluded world, think that they have to be fair, quote-unquote, by making both sides equally guilty, which is insane. As they often say, the arsonist, is not in in the same category as the firefighters. They might both end up being in the house that's on fire. But one set it on fire, and one is trying to put out the fire. Here's what you need to know, CNN says. Question. What started the latest round of violence? Why now? And they bring two answers. Here's the the first paragraph. The latest upsurge in violence in Jerusalem started with two Israelis being stabbed to death by a Palestinian in the Old City, which was followed by a series of stabbings and other attacks. Not really sure who this series of stabbings and other attacks, series of Palestinian, uh, stabbings by Palestinians and other attacks. Well, According to Ben Wiedemann, according to CNN, everything was quiet, everything was sort of nice, and then a new round of violence, another term which is horrific, meaning a round of violence means somebody hits and somebody hits back and somebody hits and somebody hits back. At least, at least they identified the fact that two Israelis were being stabbed to death. But the part that they very handily, very comfortably leave out is that there is no latest round of violence because latest means, oh, it's just another round starting. No, no, no. Let me give you some, let, let, let me remind everybody. Let me remind everybody what's been going on before this round of violence, quote unquote. 2014, a little over a year ago, do you remember when lone, quote-unquote, lone terrorists used all kinds of equipment to kill Jews? Same MO, an Arab in in a tractor tries to upturn a bus kills yeshiva student Avram Wallace, 29 years old. Five more were wounded on the same day. Right near Hebrew University, a soldier is shot and critically wounded. September 16th, 2014. I bet you did not hear about this case. Unless you're really connected into Israeli news. 
Did you hear about Netanel Arami? He was 26. He was working on a construction site in Petah Tikva and he was um, hanging by a scaffolding by, by ropes. You know these ropes that you pull up and you... It's, it's almost like a snapling. Well, the Arabs that were working there cut the cables and he fell to his death. And for quite a while, nobody wanted to admit that this was a terrorist attack, but it was. And now the Israeli Shinbed, after investigating it, has agreed to that. Oh yes, do you remember this? I'm sure you do. Three-month-old, Chaya Zisselbron. Three-month-old. Her parents waited for a long time to have a baby. They finally had this child, took her to the Kota when she, she was three months, and on their way home, run down by a car, an Arab terrorist was driving, rammed into the bus stop. When was that? October 22nd, 2014. Do you remember that on October 29th, 2014, there was an attempted assassination of Yehuda Glick? And on November 5th, 2014, 2014, an Arab rams his car into the light rail stop, killing two and injuring 11. One was a Druze border police captain, Jidan Assad, and the other was a 17-year-old yeshiva student from Ramat Shlomo, Shalom Aaron Badani. The violence is not new. It's been going on for a long time. On November the 10th, 2014, Sergeant Almog Shiloni, 20 years old, was stabbed to death by a Palestinian terrorist at Tel Aviv's Hahagana train station. Do you remember that on the very same day, November 10th, 2014, Dalia Lemkos, 26 of Tekoa, was stabbed to death at a bus stop near the entrance to Alon Shvot. Do you remember that just eight days later, on November 18th, the terrible massacre in the Shul, in Harnov, killing five, And just a few days later, on December 3rd, Rami Levy supermarket in Malad Umim, an Arab stabs two before being killed. You get that? 2014, August 4, September 16, October 22, October 29, November 5, November 10, November 10, November 18, December 3. You think there's violence? Let's look at the last few months in 2015. Do you remember that on April 15th, Shalom Yochai Shirky, 25 years, Shirky, 25 years old, was run down by a terrorist in a car who rammed into the bus stop in the French Hill in Yerushalayim? And, and on June 19th, Danny Gonen, a 25 year old, was killed when he was going to the Ein Bouvin Spring near Dolev in the Shomron? And ten days later, on June 29th, Malachi Moshe Rosenfeld, 26, of Kochava Shachar was murdered. We spoke about him at great length. There's no new round of violence that you have to explain why it started now. This has been going on for a hundred years. And has not subsided. But wait, there's more. CNN has another idea. So first they say, well, it started, this round of violence, started when two Israelis were stabbed by, by a Palestinian. But then it says, and this is the big lie, a particular point of contention is the Temple Mount, known to Muslims as the Haram al-Sharif in the Old City, in an unwritten arrangement in place since Israel took control of all Jerusalem in 1967, Jews are not allowed to pray on the Temple Mount where the Al-Aqsa Mosque and Dome of the Rock are situated. Increasingly, in recent years, hardline Jewish activists 
have demanded greater access to the Temple Mount, and right-wing politicians have called for rights of Jews to pray there. You understand what's happening? This has sparked widespread concerns among Palestinians that the status quo is being violated and will end in the division of the Temple Mount. So CNN buys in to the lie, to the libel, to the successor of the classic blood libel that says the Arabs are being violent because they believe that Israel is going to change the status quo on the Temple Mount. We will discuss this lie later, hopefully in great depth. You know how long this lie has been, this libel is being thrown at the Jewish people in Israel? You would think since 67, maybe since 48, no, no. Since the 1920s, before there was even a Jewish state. Whenever Arab nationalists wanted to rile up the population and wanted them to commit violent acts against Jews, they made up a lie and told their people the Jews are going to destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque and build the temple. We must fight for our holy Jerusalem, they say. Kill Jews, be a shaheed, be a martyr for Jerusalem. And CNN buys into it. By the way, notice that hardline Jewish activists are demanding greater access. Hardline Jewish activists. I'm, trying to, I'm still trying to find where CNN calls the other side hardline. Okay. Now let's look at the issue itself. In addition to the fact that it's a lie that the Jews are trying to take over the Temple Mount, listen carefully to what he writes. Increasingly in recent years, hardline Jewish activists have demanded greater access to the Temple Mount. And right-wing politicians have called for rights of Jews to pray there. So first of all, Jews are not demanding greater access. They're asking for access, period. Just simple access to Judaism's holiest site. In fact, the status quo, the unwritten arrangement that he just spoke about, besides the fact that it is unprecedented in history, besides the fact that I think it was absolutely insane that the Jewish state who was finally returned to the Temple Mount just days later handed it over, handed it back and over to the enemy. But that status quo specifically says that Jews may visit the Temple Mount. No, they're not allowed to pray. Another craziness. That's right, the only place in the entire world that a Jew cannot pray freely is on the Jewish holiest site of the Temple Mount under Israeli sovereignty. I know. I know it's crazy. But again, what are Jews asking for right now? Just simple adherence to the status quo that we're unhappy about. The Muslims control the Temple Mount. But as part of the arrangement, Jews can visit it whenever they want. And I will tell you what happens when Jews try to go to visit the Temple Mount. And yes, more and more and more, thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews are are moved to visit the Temple Mount after many great rabbinical scholars understanding that we are going to lose the Temple Mount if we ignore it. Research the subject 
and under the correct strict circumstances that they have set out have allowed Jews to visit parts of the Temple Mount. Consult your local rabbi. But that's a side point. The main point is that hundreds every day, hundreds of Jews are lined up to enter the Temple Mount. During the summertime, in the sweltering heat of Yerushalayim, they waited online for hours. Many of them never even got in. Because the police, the Israeli police, giving in to the Arabs, will only allow small groups of Jews, usually around 10 or under 10. So God forbid they don't make a minion. They let them in, and not until they return, they're finished their visit, can the next group go in. So if hundreds want to go in, and there are only a few hours in the morning that are allowed for Jews, I think there's like two or three hours in the morning and, and two hours in the afternoon. This is Judaism's holiest site. Jews want to be able to visit there. Why is that not allowed? Why does that lead to violence? Freedom of religion, why does that lead to violence? I don't know. But the media around the world buys into this nonsense. Oh, the Israelis are trying to take over the Temple Mount. If they would want to take over the Temple Mount, they could have done it. And by the way, shouldn't Jews have a place somewhere on the Temple Mount with rabbinic authorization where they can pray? Rav Gorin wanted to create a Jewish Bet Knesset, a place for Jews to be able to pray on the Temple Mount within the areas that were okay, but of course Moshe Dayan and the government at the time blocked it. The Temple Mount is the holiest spot on the face of the earth for Jews. Why should we not also be able to pray there? It's a 37-acre area. 37 acres. Of which the Dome of the Rock is only 60 feet in diameter. And the only other Muslim structure, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, is slightly more than 50,000 square feet. That leaves tons and tons of room. And by the way, the Temple Mount was built by Jews and was Jewish. It's where the Bet HaMikdash was built. And it was Jewish until the Jews were violently exiled in the year 70 with the destruction of the Second Temple. All the Muslim structures that are on there, the Al-Aqsa and Dome of the Rock, were built hundreds of years later on the Jewish Temple Mount. So who's being hardline? Sharing is caring, isn't it? Why won't the Muslims allow the Jews to share the holy site, especially since it's not the first holy site of the Muslims, Mecca is. Jews and Muslims share Me'arat HaMachpelah, the cave of the patriarchs in Hebron. That's a site that's holy to both. Why can't they both share this? We'll take a musical break. Oh, the way this is going, I have a feeling that uh, we're not going to get to our second topic. Let's take a musical break, and uh, we'll come back and continue to analyze the biases of CNN about the current situation in Israel, the Arab violence against Jews. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Here's Yonatan Razel with his classic Vahisha Amda. Amen. 
song for our time, Vahisha Amda, there's always somebody waiting there to kill us. And that's the truth in this in this situation. From the time that Jews have started coming back to Israel, in the early 1920s and even a little before that, Jews, uh, Jews were being killed by Arabs. There's really no way around that, is there? Oh, but CNN thinks there's a uh, there's reasons for it, you know. What sparked off the current? Well, it's the concern about the Temple Mount. We continue with uh, CNN's question and answers: uh, What you need to know about the Israeli-Palestinian violence? 
Here's the next question. But security has been getting worse for a while, hasn't it? The answer, in fact, the security situation in Jerusalem at the West Bank has been more and more tense since 2014, when three Israeli teenage settlers were kidnapped and murdered in the West Bank by militants from Hamas. Oh, is this sentence so interesting. The Israeli teenagers are settlers. Settlers, you have to understand, is a pejorative. Settlers is a, is a way of tagging people. They're bad. The three Israeli teenagers weren't settlers, no. Some were. Some weren't, unfortunately, we know. doesn't matter they were settlers not three Israeli teenagers three Israeli teenage settlers it's so subtle but it's there they were murdered in the West Bank by militants from Hamas of course not terrorists because they don't use the word terrorist they say militants and that's when things started getting more tense really 2014 how about the 1920s when the Arabs began their reign of terror, slaughtering innocent Jews. Really? It's just insane. Well, a few weeks later, continues CNN, Jewish extremists, oh, that's like the hardline Jews that want to go on the Temple Mount. These are Jewish extremists. Oh, God. Kidnapped and murdered a 17-year-old Palestinian from East Jerusalem. Yes, that is true. The part that they don't tell you on CNN is, number one, these um, kids that did this horrific act of kidnapping a 17-year-old Arab boy and burning his body. I mean, it's hard to even imagine. We're psychologically slightly off. I'm not excusing it, but they were, number one. Number two, they were tried and excoriated by the entire Israeli population. There is not one person in Israel of any stature, religious, secular, Litvish, Hasidish, great rabbis, teachers, nobody not only doesn't justify it, nobody, everybody has condemned it. Pechat, unanimously. There are crazies in every society. The test of the society is how the crazies are dealt with. In Palestinian society, the people who murder Jews are shahids, are holy martyrs. Their families are on the payroll of the Palestinian Authority. They are honored in many different ways. And yet, this is the insidious lie that CNN and all the major media outlets continue with. Tit for tat. You see, they killed one, and then he killed one, and then they killed one, and he killed one. That's it. They're both equally guilty. No, they're not. Because the murder of the 17-year-old then further inflamed tensions, says CNN, and set off clashes in historically Arab East Jerusalem. Oh, there's something you got to be careful about. Arab East Jerusalem. Well, I don't know what history book CNN is reading. But that is just a factual lie. There's no such a thing as historically Arab East Jerusalem. Now, by the way, this term has been changed over time by the media. They used to say Arab East Jerusalem till everybody called their attention to the fact that there are more Jews in quote-unquote East Jerusalem than there are Arabs. So now they say, oh, historically Arab East Jerusalem. Well, when was it historically Arab? I'll tell you when. For the 19 years between 1948 and 1967, when the Jews were either murdered or expelled or taken prisoners and forced out of the old city of Yerushalayim. And before that, by violence that forced Jews out of neighborhoods like Silwan, which was a Jewish Yemenite neighborhood. East Jerusalem became Arab only after they terrorized the Jews, either killed them or forced them out. But before 1948, Yerushalayim, which was basically only East Jerusalem for most of that period, 
had a Jewish majority. Their census numbers that we can prove. There was a Jewish majority in Yerushalayim going back decades and decades into the 1800s. To say historically Arab East Jerusalem is nothing more than a lie. But all the media use that and nobody calls them on it. Then again, here we go, the equivalence again. A spate of attacks on Israeli civilians by East Jerusalem Palestinians racked the city later in the autumn. And then on July 31 in the West Bank, Israeli settlers burnt the Palestinian house in the price tag attack. So forth and so on. You understand? For every one bad act that they'll say, or sentence saying that there were many attacks by the Arabs, they'll bring one attack, the exception that proves the rule. Yes, horrible violence committed, as we know, and as we've spoken about on this show, by misguided Jewish kids in their early 20s, a small group that Israel's trying to rein in. That does not compare and cannot compare one one case in a year or one case the year before where the where the people are are hunted down, caught, imprisoned cannot compare to dozens and dozens and dozens of cases of Arab murders. And surely not the way the society deals with it. The suicide bombings, says CNN, that were hallmark of the second intifada. And here they're they're trying to explain the difference between the terror rampages of 2001, 2002, when buses were blowing up, and why now it's only you know individuals with knives and so forth. Why aren't they blowing up buses? So they say the suicide bombings that were the hallmark of the Second Intifada required an infrastructure. Sourcing bombers, making and providing them with explosives, getting them into place to carry out the attacks. Israeli forces were able to break up much of this infrastructure by the end of that uprising. Okay, let's explain that. At that time, Israel, as part of the quote-unquote peace process, the Oslo process, withdrew from most of the populated Arab cities. And as a result, Israeli intelligence, the Shin Bet, had no access and therefore no ability to stop that infrastructure from being built. And the Arabs, led by Yasser Arafat, encouraged the terrorist infrastructure to be built. And after over 1,000 dead Jews, the terror finally stopped. You know when? When Prime Minister Ariel Sharon ordered the military back into some of the Arab areas. And Israel rebuilt its intelligence infrastructure there. Teaching the Israeli public an important lesson. Withdrawing from these areas will bring about violence and death. Unfortunately, that lesson wasn't learned by Prime Minister Sharon, who withdrew all of Israeli military and civilians from Gaza, only to get, yeah, a Hamas terrorist state in all of Gaza using the former Israeli area to shell Jewish civilian populations. That's what they don't that's what they don't tell you here. That's the part all of this they leave out. Now obviously they couldn't write all of it, but they continue to talk about a peace process. Later in the article talk about how Kerry's gonna Secretary of State John Kerry's gonna come and talk about renewing the peace process and why did the peace process The peace process led to thousands of dead Jews. That's not a peace process. How are Palestinians and Israelis reacting, they ask. How are Palestinians and Israelis reacting? Well, ordinary Israelis, CNN says, are in a state of alarm. Alarm? Alarm? (laughs) A state of terror when you're afraid to leave your home. A state of alarm is a little bit of an understatement. They are taking measures for protection. There are dramatically fewer people on the streets. Here Israelis are reconsidering the routes they take to work, driving rather than taking the bus or the light rail. Now listen to this. This is like this is gonna blow your mind. There are more Israelis walking around with handguns and more people applying for weapons license. 
Jerusalem's mayor, Nir Barakat, called on licensed gun owners to carry them. Palestinians are also scared. You hear this? Palestinians, it all has to, it always has to be equal. The Jews are scared. Well, the Palestinians, you know why? Many more of them have died in reprisal attacks and shooting by security forces. Many more Palestinians have died than Jews. Of course they have to be scared. Look how many of them are dying. Who, who is being, oh my God, my head is going to explode. Who amongst the Palestinians is dying? Who are being shot? The terrorist, the guy who's stabbing a Jew and murdering a Jew is being shot. So if you, as an Arab, are scared, here's a tip. Don't murder a Jew. Don't walk around with a knife stabbing Jews. Don't yell, Allah Akbar, and, and pounce on, on, a, on a Jewish child or an adult. I can't believe that CNN can actually write this. Palestinians are also scared? It's that, that is precious. Okay, they're going to kill me if I don't go to another song. So I'm going to go to a song, and uh, then we'll come back, and we'll do uh, one more piece on this. It's just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how not to get all frustrated when I read this. Let's take something upbeat. Rami Kleinstein, Yom Shaloy Achzar, brand new music. Make every day count. Oh, and there's a great video, by the way. We'll post the link to the video of this song where he collected little video clips from listeners, listeners, from from the general public about special moments in their lives. And he included, of course, special moments in his life and made the music video for this Yom Shaloy Yazor. Take advantage of every minute of every day because it's a day that won't return. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
My name is Mayor Wangat, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. They are currently having their um, U.S. tour, if you will, presenting in uh, one city after the next, showing people firsthand how you can think about Aliyah, plan Aliyah, even if you're not, even if you don't have a plan for the next, like, year or two. So take a look at their website, and you will see when they'll be in your area, and go down there. should be interesting. www.nbnnefeshbenefesh, nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il. The Israel Show is proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. Well, as we are running out of time, A, we will not get to the other topic that I wanted to get to today, which... Um, is the history of this libel of um, the Jews are trying to destroy the Arab parts of the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the um, Dome of the Rock and build the temple there, the history of it, and um, who started it, who continues it, how it took a life of its own, how it is the modern blood libel against the Jews and how it is believed by millions and millions, probably hundreds of millions of Arabs around the world. And that analysis is based on a book by Nadav Shragai, who is uh, an excellent journalist and uh, investigative journalist and, quite frankly, a scholar who's written many books. I think he wrote the book, the authoritative book on the history of Har Habayit after 1967. And uh, I was trying to get him on the air. If somebody knows how to get him, I emailed him, but I haven't heard back. If you know uh, how to get him, I would love to have him on the air in an interview to discuss uh, the history and uh, the work that he's done. I'm going to finish off. Um, one, let's see, we have time for uh, one or two more questions of the uh, the CNN report that we are trying to analyze, we're analyzing and, and trying to show you how biased it is. I think the major flaw is they their attempt, CNN and the other media, attempt to have this moral equivalence. The Jews are bad, the Arabs are bad. The Jews are violent, the Arabs are violent. As if there really are two equally wrong or equally right parties here, equally violent parties, equally murderous parties, that is, we know that to be wrong. The problem is we have to work to fix that perception. Well, here's one part that I do agree. They ask, why are, what are politicians doing? And the answer is, in short, a lot of words and not much action. Okay, we can agree on something there. Yes, okay, let's skip through that one. Here's a key. Question, what happened to the peace process, asks CNN. Answer, I'm sorry, the continuing of the question, weren't the Palestinians supposed to get their own state? Answer, the peace process went into intensive care during the Second Intifada, and successive U.S. presidents have time and again made attempts to revive it. But, so you hear, the, the, the peace process was, was, was hurt went into intensive care, badly injured, during the Second Intifada. 
How, what, who's to blame? Go figure it out. Well, we know what the second intifada was. It was Arab blowing Arabs blowing up Jews in the streets, in buses, in stores, in a pizza shop. Yeah. I don't think there's much of a peace process if your if, if your people are being blown up. If a thousand Jews are killed, innocent people in the streets are being terrorized. I was there, I remember. People were afraid to walk out. People were afraid to go near a bus. Forget about on a bus. So is it any surprise that the peace process went into intensive care? Is it a surprise that Israelis aren't so interested in reviving it as much as U.S. presidents are? But wait. Listen to what CNN explains. How CNN explains why the U.S. president's attempt to revive it didn't work. But, under Ariel Sharon, who was prime minister from 2001 to early 2006, and Benjamin Netanyahu from 2009 until now, the Israeli government has been at best lukewarm about the peace process. You see whose fault it is? It's, it's really the Israeli leadership's fault. No, no, it's not Yasser Arafat's fault. No, he was a nice guy. It's not Abbas's fault. It's not the Hamas's fault. How crazy can you get? Did Eud Olmer not make a an offer that we thought he couldn't refuse, that Mahmoud Abbas couldn't refuse, and he never got back to him? But listen, the last attempt, says CNN, to relaunch the peace process by U.S. Secretary of State Kerry in the summer of 2013 went nowhere. Why? Why? That last attempt. We want to know how that ended. Well, I'll tell you how it ended. CNN won't. Because they can't blame the Israelis. It ended because Palestinian Authority leader Abbas wouldn't take the big steps he needs to take. And as he refused to do previously, as we mentioned when Ayod Olmert made the grand offer, Abbas, like his predecessor Arafat, refused. Arafat refused at Camp David, and his predecessor, Hajamin al-Husseini, and the other Palestinian Arab leaders have refused every offer in the 30s, in the 40s, at Camp David, and by Olmert, and by Barak. So, why did John Kerry's initiative go nowhere? They don't tell you. No, no. What they will tell you is that another major stumbling block is, guess what? Israel. It's continued building of settlements in the West Bank. Oh, this is yet another one of those lies. Because do you understand that the world has somehow accepted the fact that in a quote-unquote Palestinian state, Jews may not live? While 20% of Israel's population is Arab, mainly Muslim, the this quote-unquote future Palestinian state cannot have any Jews in it. So whenever a Jew builds a quote-unquote settlement, a town, a city where they want to live, that's that that that's a stumbling, that's a terrible thing, that's horrible. We have to stop it. In fact, we have stopped it. Benjamin Netanyahu has put an, a de facto freeze on building in Yehudan Shemron because of the pressure from President Obama. It's that simple. But they won't tell you that at CNN. They'll tell you about how all these Jewish communities in the West Bank, listen to this, estimates by Israeli human rights group B'Tselem, they say, says, say there are almost 550,000 settlers, settlers, not Jews, settlers, though that's the pejorative, living in exclusively Jewish communities in the West Bank. Unlike the Arab villages, which are obviously, you know, Mixed Jews and Arabs and other, you know, they're so tolerant. The Jewish communities are, are exclusively Jewish. All of this, this 
entire undertone in this article, which is what you need to know about the current situation in Israel. According to CNN, the entire undercurrent is very simple. The Jews are bad. The Arabs are, are also bad. But the Jews are really worse. And the reason there's no peace process is because of the Jews, because of the settlements, because of the prime ministers. No mention about why it is that the people of Israel keep re-electing these prime ministers. Because the people of Israel said, we tried it. We tried to relinquish territory to get peace, and it didn't work. We tried it once, we tried it again, we tried it in Gaza, we tried it in Lebanon, and every single time it didn't work. And somehow this does not enter the psyche of the mainstream media, who have been so brainwashed into this Arab narrative. And our job is to learn the things that we've spoken about today and to respond. Respond, 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 respond. Effectively, politely, factually, but respond. Because when we don't respond, they get away with it. All right, we're going to wrap things up and we are very late, so we'll go to a short song. I wanted to do a different one, but time is late. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein and then the great Monday Music Marathon. We're going to Ahava Atika, brand new by Nava Geffen. It's a re- uh, a cover, a remix of a, a very old song, very nice one. And uh, we will end off with that. Until next Monday, following JM and the AIM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Thank you.